Hey guys, we are pleased to say that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation charity. And now, a message from one of our supporters. Hi Sylvia and everyone at the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Just sending some love your way. Thank you for all of the work that you do and for giving those a voice who feel like they don't have one. To learn more about this wonderful charity, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hey Jamie, do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters and much, much more with a new fall line out now. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at Stay Cozy Clothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember, guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Hey there, this is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers, and you are listening to Tom and Jamie present The Chronicles of Podcast. There you go. Listen, listen, listen. You're going to love it. Well, inject filler into my ass, boys. Welcome to hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesday. And these are the chronicles of Ron Wasserman. Yes, it's Ron Wasserman this week, ladies and gentlemen. The man is back. Yes! I'm so excited to get this episode onto this uh, new channel. And what a wonderful, wonderful human this man truly is what an interview this was what a sit-down conversation this was i think corona's still at the door um you know we had so much fun with the absolute legend that is the wasserman ron obviously is most well known for creating the x-men animated tv themes theme the uh power rangers theme song the dragon ball z score the man has done it all and he's still going today yeah he is Ron's just done the soundtrack to a couple of games, a new terror, not terror as in scary, but terror as in, I don't even know what that terror means to be honest, but T-E-R-R-A, that one. Uh, he's also done a video game called The Next World, and he's composing music for a new short that's going out next year called Milton. Amazing. He's keeping busy as our Ron. We do love that. We do love the Wasserman so very, very much. It was just... I remember when you booked it in and I was like, no way you've got Ron Wasserman. Yeah, yeah, I remember. He was like, I have his fucking album. I, I have the Power Rangers on, on vinyl. Like, of course I know who Ron Wasserman is. Like, yeah, momentous. We had so much fun. The, the man is a true legend, true hero. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for you guys to hear this. And it's brought to our brand new channel. We thought because we've got a jingleist out on Friday that we'd have a composer out on Wednesday, thought, you know, match it all up. It feels quite nice. We do like to try and keep them themed, don't we? Absolutely. We do our best to do so. And obviously this is just going to be a glorious week of the Chronicles of, so we really hope that you all enjoy. You all enjoy. And do you know what? I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. I, I kind of want to just be like, guys, here you go. Just this- listen, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> not not to downgrade our other interviews because we love them all, but this this is just one for us. This meant the world to us. We loved this so much. We, well, we love every single thing that we do, but you know, there's, there's sometimes where you just you know where you just go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
don't want to touch that. This is one of those ones where we phoned each other afterwards and we're like, can you believe that happened? This was incredible. <laughs> it's good times. So, Jamie. Jamie. Final words. No, just uh, thank you so much, Ron. Not only for this interview, but for all your amazing work. Because let's be honest, the X-Men animated theme is the greatest cartoon theme tune of all time. And for our voiceovers, we really appreciate those as well. Oh, we they're the them. best. We they're love the best. Them thoroughly. So good. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the Chronicles of Ron Wasserman. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have an absolute legend as far as I'm concerned on the show. If you're a child of the 90s like us, then whether you know it or not, today's guest shaped your childhood. Today's guest wrote many TV scores and themes, but two of those arguably the most popular iconic theme tunes of all time. And that is the X-Men and Power Rangers. Today, we are honoured to welcome to USAC Chronicles the legendary Ron Wasserman. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? We are wonderful. Well, that was How a are nice you, sir? intro. I feel very important now. <laughs> <laughs> but you are, Rob. You, you've known this anyway, surely. No, when I woke up this morning, I said, I'm not important, but now I feel important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get down to the hard hitting stuff. How has your last year been, sir? Well, I always worked alone, so I haven't noticed that big of a difference with being <laughs> locked down. Um, <laughs> but even it's it's getting to me like I, I i thought it was a little bit crazy before but now i'm going crazier it's oh. just weird actually it's everybody around me because they were used to you know they're very social they worked in social environments and uh i've kind of been used to working alone so um it's hard to see what people are going through yeah, so it's, it's, it's been, it's really been rough. And I have a 16 year old boy and it's been pretty awful for him. Everything's online. Yeah. yeah. It's rubbish. I'm so sorry, man. Like just, I mean, for everybody, obviously having oh, to go all through all this. Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. But um, did you, did you like learn a new skill or teach yourself anything new whilst being locked away? I hike a lot more. I mean, I was uh, mountain biking and hiking, but nice. my hikes have gone from, I'll get out and do four or five miles to now I'm, Go, oh, let's go out um, for 10 or 12 or 15 miles. Beautiful. And sometimes not... <laughs> when we're out there, it's like, should we even go back? I yeah. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going. I'll see you later, guys. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> That's why we never bring food. Because if we brought food, we might just go, you know what? Let's just, let's just sit here. What's the difference? Well, <laughs> why not? Yeah, we li- we not... live here now on this hillside. This is our new <laughs> home. <laughs> There's no one around. You bring a little flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Incredible. How about you guys? How's it, uh, has it been? Um, I know it sucks, but anything suck more in particular? <laughs> other than... <laughs> I mean, I was furloughed for 10 or 11 months. I went back three weeks ago, but because the whole dynamic is because I work in the travel industry, and the whole dynamic has all completely changed. So it's now like, we need all the money now. Give it all to us. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very toxic, very disgusting environment to be in. And then obviously you've got people who had holidays cancelled from last year that still haven't had anything back going, well, you're going to pay us back. And it's, it's horrible. It's horrible, man. It is horrible. I'm sorry. It's nothing, I mean, I appreciate it. You don't have to apologise. So I uh, got re-furloughed yesterday. <laughs> so he's happy again now. Yeah, it's it's a really weird it's a really weird like 
mixture because like I, I hated I loved Furloughed for about two months hated it for uh-huh. the eight wanted to go back to work went back to work loved it then all of a sudden hated that really quickly it was like well are we furloughed again so it's just so I just don't know if you're coming or going anyway. I don't I, I just don't know <laughs> <laughs> that that's confusing I'm so happy to be back I hate this yeah fired? <laughs> how can you fire me I fucking hate this job you can't fire me I'm not gonna be furloughed <laughs> Call me. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it all. So, take us back, sir. Where did, what made you want to get into a career in music in the first place? Well, I'd, I'd started uh, playing when I was three and oh, wow. then had my first little published work for the finger exercise book on piano when I was five and a half. And then I had kind of a a dry period between five and a half and like 27. <laughs> it was kind of slow. But I never really thought about going into music because I didn't know anybody. And, um, you know, you weren't really, uh, back then you weren't really exposed to lives. It was just people on the radio and you occasionally heard interviews and they were all gods. So you thought, well, I certainly can't do that. So I focused a lot on photography and and music. And then after high school, ended up at a a place called California Institute of the Arts, which was run by Disney, doing photography. And after a year and a half, plus I didn't have, I didn't have, not have the money to go to this place. So I was running out because the tuition was a whopping, this is 1981, there was a whopping um, $3,000 a year. Now it's currently 75000 Holy shit. When I had $3,500 for a college fund. So I went there, but after a year, I remember the teachers, which were great. They all sat me down. They said, so your photography is good, but you spend all day in the ballet studio playing piano. Have you ever thought of music? And really it was kind of a turning point. I think I've thought a lot about this lately. And, uh, I think at that moment I went, okay, I'll find a band to get in. So I started joining bands. And as I did that, then I just learned more and more about every individual player. And then as I started weaseling my way into studios to start writing and working on stuff, all songwriting, um, I noticed that musicians are as reliable as politicians but they're also drunk on top of it. So they're not only unreliable, but they show up. I say, did you, did you listen? Are we ready to record? It's like, oh, dude, last night, oh, I was so <laughs> fucked up and I didn't get to it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to learn it now. But you have some water or something? My head's killing me. So this led me to, I started going out to clubs because uh, of the bands I was in, no one famous, but I could, um, had access to anywhere in L.A., so I would spend literally a month going out, watching bands every night, just watching the drummer and then start learning how to drum all done on a keyboard, watch the guitar player, watch the bass player, really studied it so that it could be self-sufficient. So I was in bands and we almost were signed. And then I was with a gal who was signed on AM records, a lot of fun. And then um, one of the bands I was in, there was a guy who started working at a company called Saban and in 89, he said, well, you're an engineer. I was a mixing engineer already. He said, can you come in and mix stuff for our composer? And I'm living on credit cards. I've got like $40,000, $50,000 in credit card debt. 
And uh, he called me in and said, will you engineer? And I did. And it was an eight hour evening session. And that composer, we just chatted and talked for seven hours. And then he worked one hour. For the one hour, he made 450 bucks. And I went, maybe I should consider this business. And it was because nothing I ever thought of. And then I spent, they hired me on full time. And I, it took me about three years to be broken of the songwriting format and learn how to score. Awesome. And then um, in walked X-Men and then in walked Power Rangers. Oh, dude, just, <laughs> it's just mind blowing. It's amazing that you really like stick to it and whatnot. You can also, you can, you know, properly make it and whatnot. So like, why, what with photography then? What, how it would, I, I come to some level my words. I'm so sorry. Let me start again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what why are you into photography so why did you did you not want to leave oh fuck me jamie take over i'll stop i'll stop i don't even know what he's trying to say i don't know what i'm trying yeah, to say I have no idea my yeah, brain like is a musician really i'm just gonna yeah i'm one of the i'm one of those drunk guys like yeah man like holy fuck last night was a mess. <laughs> do you want to try okay. again or? yeah well do you, miss okay. do you miss photography at all or not uh no because uh uh the phone no, I oh, course, yeah. <laughs> and if it looks bad i mean it's so great i mean when i was doing it it was on actual film so you had whatever those roles were i can't remember 35 shots mm. so you're really working on it and hoping it turns out good now you'd say well i'll shoot 600 pictures of this napkin surely <laughs> one of them is good <laughs> and that's why everybody's photography looks so amazing everyone's and like people have perfected the selfie girls with the selfie it's like okay no cleave 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 it just enough cleavage then clean up all the wrinkles everything i mean everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of looks like a cartoon character yeah. on photos but it's, it's uh like, no I, I i still sort of do it okay i think it's one of those things where like you go if you go like on a date or something you get the girls that have like cleaned themselves up you go on a date with somebody you go hi um i don't know who you are but i'm, wait I'm waiting for somebody like yes yeah, it's, it's me like is it? Where's your, where's your dog ears? Like, where's the <laughs> where's the butterflies around your eyes? What's going on? <laughs> mental. You don't mental. look. Yeah, you don't look nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you're saying about beforehand you were in bands and stuff like that. Um, I, don't, I read you were in a band of E.G. Daly of Rugrats and Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, friend. that's yeah. Awful. She was. I was playing at a club a final gig or near the final gig with this band that i was in and she approached me it was a, a place called club lingerie in hollywood and she said i my name's eg daily i'm signed to a m records i not sure if she said i have a billboard hit right now it was a call song called if you want my love say it say it but she said i'd love you to be in the band and i said great so we met and i ended up being uh kind of the musical director for the band and it was super fun we had a great time unfortunately it didn't work out she wanted to focus more on acting so the label didn't like that because the label uh record labels uh, don't like you to think at all but <laughs> so you're here and we'll tell you what to do why are you eating that we didn't tell you you could eat that i mean <laughs> it's what they do <laughs> and so, 
but we had a great time. But the best part about that was, and I cannot, for whatever reason, I cannot remember who the guitar player was, but the drummer was Matt Sorum, who went on the Guns N' Roses. I was going to say that and name then, sounds familiar. Yeah, and Matt Bissonette, wow. who went on to play bass for um, um, David Lee Roth and a bunch of other people. So it was Amazing. super, super fun. Fast forward to uh, just a quick side note. So after Power Rangers hit and they did the movie and they decided that I wasn't going to sing the theme, which really pissed me off because they wanted a famous singer. So they got the guy from Mr. Big to sing it. Is that who sings that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, they said, you're not doing it. We want somebody famous. And I was like, that's a good idea. I, <laughs> idea. I think the kids are going to love that. <laughs> But I, they said, ah, and your old friend, Matt Sorum, will be, uh, he'll be playing drums on it. And I said, oh, well, can I at least go to the session? I'd love to see him. And they didn't give me the right date or time. Why? Because so I, I, they, they didn't really want me to walk in because there may have been film execs and other people that may have looked over and go, why the fuck isn't he singing it? He did the, he did the original. So, so I wasn't in on that session. And then maybe three months later, four months later, I'm driving down Sunset Boulevard in my Honda and there's this beautiful black Porsche Carrera next to me. And I look over and it's Matt Sorum and I'm honking the horn. He's like, dude, pull over. <laughs> and so we catch up on stuff and he goes, oh man, if I had just seen you two weeks earlier, we were hiring a keyboard player for guns. It would have been 25 grand a week. And, he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, you probably could have got that gig. So I just, <laughs> that was a moment standing on Sunset where I'm just like, I could have been in fucking Guns N' Roses. I mean, and that would have been a perfect band for me because the keyboard parts are kind of emotional, but simple, it just would have been mm, great. Yeah. So that didn't happen. But uh, that was uh, the story of EG. And then she's still does acting and stuff i think i mean she had to do very well with um rugrats oh yeah she must have been doing raking it in that show <laughs> yeah, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> so what was the first tv project you did then after they after you got brought in um i think it was x-men was i mean i was submitting one. i was submitting for a lot of their direct-to-home video shows they would buy like Japanese animation of Pinocchio and then they clean it up or Italian versions of it. And they'd have to clean the violence out of it. Cause in the real Pinocchio, he gets uh, crucified and burned. I remember they said, so we got to cut this scene out. <laughs> and this is a kid show in, in, in either Japan, which wouldn't surprise me or Italy, which kind of surprised me that they're showing, yeah. Oh, sit in front of the TV and watch Pinocchio get crucified and burned. But it is part of the story, apparently. So they'd clean these up and they'd say, do you want to take a crack at the theme? And I would do something that was just so fast, not rock, but really fast, just that created a lot of energy. And they'd always come back and go, that's really not what we meant. And they'd end up going with somebody else would write something that'd be like a little oboe and maybe a vocal going, Pinocchio, Pinocchio. 
thoughts. Meanwhile, I've had this wild, wild energetic, <laughs> but not with a rock voice, right? So I got rejected on all that. At one point, um, so X-Men came in and it was kind of a long two week collaborative effort, but it was, um, and then really, I didn't even realize the show was doing anything. My friend did sound effects. He said, yeah, it's doing pretty good at Fox. I've never really thought about it. I'd write cues for it, but I mean, I wasn't even aware of how big the show was until 20 years later. I loved wow. that show as a child, absolutely. Because I wasn't it. watching it and, and nobody was, you know, the internet was just starting with American Online here. So I had no idea anything was going on. I suppose that's, I never put any thought into that. Of course, this was before the internet. So how would you know, like how beloved the show is? You wouldn't, would you? No, people would actually write letters and had they written, well, they wouldn't have known it was me because, you know, Haim and Shuki took all the writer's credit, which is fine. That was the deal. But you wouldn't know about anything you ever wrote, even if somebody wrote a letter. Because, yeah, it wouldn't go to, that's insane. That's crazy. And they're going to write to the actors or the animators anyways. They're not going to write about uh, same with Power Rangers, had no idea. I knew it was big, but I had no idea how big it was. Or Dragon Ball Z, uh, that took 20 years till someone went, you did the first, I didn't write the theme, but I did the score. Yeah. And people went, you worked on that for the first two years, I think. And I said, yeah, how do you know about it? They're like, it's a cult classic. I said, oh, uh, honest to God, I had no idea. <laughs> That's nuts. It's absolutely I, mental. Maybe I better add this to the resume. People apparently know about the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's true. But when it comes to the themes then, so for X-Men, for example, do they invent, do you have an idea of what you want to do or do they go, we have this idea, can you do something like this? Or do you just go, do you get to go do your own thing? In X-Men, it was incredibly specific because that guy I'd been in 80s bands with that was now head of music at Saban, came in and said, I have this thing that I've written. It should be this baseline, but we'll change it like this. And here's the, I, no one's really sure about the melody. I, because it was so long ago and I didn't think about, and then there was a lawsuit that came up about it. So I had to really rack my brain and try and figure out who wrote what. And it became cloudy as to, whether Ron Kanan was his name, whether he and I wrote it together, which whether he hummed it to me, but it seems like something oh. I may have come up with. And the lawsuit was just a joke. It was, is, I mean, it, it was as ridiculous as saying, um, you know, I'd been on the moon with Neil Armstrong without a mask <laughs> and, yeah. and found a rock that had some music written on it. It's crazy. It's somehow so Hungarian guy, wasn't it? I was going to ask about it. Yeah, yeah, about, about a show... Yeah, it it was insanity that the the connection, which maybe they believe that they that they thought there was that all of us had heard this Hungarian thing. Some TV show called Linda, I believe I read it was called. Yeah, right. It was yeah. called Linda. Plus, they they had mentioned that I probably had um, heard it or heard it from other people in the uh, late 80s, before I knew these people. <laughs> so there was a whole story on how I was hanging out with people I hadn't met yet. What the fuck? Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was far reaching, very far reaching. Just, it sounds like- And it all went away. It well, just, good. It just, it just went away. 
Does it sound the same? Have you actually heard the theme song to Linda? I've I heard, heard it, that. and there's definitely, um, you could see where there's a coincidence. But I mean, but Linda's theme is a takeoff on the Perry Mason theme from the 60s, which somebody <laughs> brought to my attention. They go, listen to the theme for Perry Mason. I listen to that, I go, because Perry Mason theme goes, ba da 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 bum ba da 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 bum ba da 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 bum and that's the Linda theme. So it's just, it's just one of these things where, and it happens all the time, stuff just sounds the same. And uh, it's coincidence. I mean, there's all, there's all, there's all, there's just so many melodies. But yeah, there's only in the so world. many arrangements in the world. Tweak it, yeah. And now, of course, you listen to the radio like, I know that song, but it's a different singer and a different song, but it's the same <laughs> melody. That's insane absolutely it's insane. insane can you obviously you just said like can you remember much about the process behind the x-men fit or was it literally just that so long ago it's, it's like it's a, that one's a blur plus it, i just wrote it off because it was a bad experience because there were constant notes on fix this bring this up turn this up but mainly it was more hi-hat because <laughs> they wanted that <laughs> and they're like i can't oh, yeah. hear the hi-hat so we're stacking hi-hats, we're running two 24-track machines, so we have 46 tracks because you have to line one track with Simpki code, time code, so they lock. And there was just so many tracks on that thing. And they'd say, well, now I can't hear the kick. Put up oh. the kick. Well, now the bass isn't punchy. Bring up the bass. Well, now the kick's gone. So every mixer does this. Every mixer. They all have what's called producer faders. And you, they do nothing. And you label them as kick two, hi-hat three. And you say, well, why don't you just come over and move the fader up until you hear it? And it's all psychosomatic. And so they'll push up that kick fader. They're like, now I'm feeling it. Like, <laughs> I'll lock it in the automation. And it's a go. And you, you route your meters so that it looks like they're actually doing something, but it's in their heads. That's right. <laughs> That's, in, that's insane. It's quite... That's what I remember, the hell of getting the final mix approved on that. And I think even at the end, they went just, we have to be done with it. This is good enough. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of <coughs> funny and kind of bad in the right. Like, you get so, people love this theme song. So people are like, Ron, you wrote one of the most iconic theme songs. You're like, yeah, that was a fucking nightmare. I hated that song. <laughs> it was so a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that one, was, that one was rough. And I believe, too, that... Um, we were still mixing, even though it's in sort of stereo, but we were mixing in mono because most of the world still was listening to everything in mono. Mm. So I, I'm pretty sure that there may have been a stereo mix and a mono mix. And as soon as you go to mono, which you always check your mixes that way, everything that's bad becomes painfully obvious and certain <laughs> sounds just disappear which is why I've always loved those 60s guys, those mixes that are mono, how they were able to get any depth out of something that's just coming straight at you is just remarkable. <laughs> so, so yeah, we had to deal with that too. And it was on tape, so it was slow, because you have to rewind 30 <laughs> seconds prior to where you want to punch and then wait for the machines to lock up. You're staring at this thing like, turn green, turn green, turns green. You're like, now we can record. Oh God! You don't even think about things like that, do you? especially in these days. We're just like, well, this bit, there you go, done. 
Oh yeah. Now you're like, oh, I, 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 I have assembled a singer's one word out of five takes. The word, you know, the word is pleasant. You're like, oh, well, I like the P. And I like the <laughs> And then you put it together and you do crossfades and it comes out sounding like that. But now they don't do that because now they just throw an auto tune so hard that if oh. somebody's even in the ballpark, it's just <laughs> that note is forced like a like an organ, like hitting an organ note. Everyone's a fucking musician these days now, aren't they, with that auto-tune shit? Right, right. Yeah. So, obviously, Power Rangers is probably what most, you know, you're most known for. And right. I read somewhere you were given one day to complete that theme song. Is that right? Yeah. And I did it in two and a half hours. Because no I didn't want to do it. Because you didn't want to do it. <laughs> they didn't want to come in. They, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I was working on a song for the band, wasn't named Fisher yet, with my wife that I wanted to finish. Mm. And there were certain times I would come in and I'd have some stuff to write or mix, but I had free time to do what I wanted. So I definitely remember they came in and said, we need a theme for this show called Mighty Morphing Power Rangers. And that, the only thing is, I remember um, they said, Heim... Himes had a lot of luck with the word go, if that helps you at all, with Inspector Gadget. When he wrote Inspector Gadget, you know, he made, so he likes the word go. And I went, okay. And I remember, then they all went home because I worked at night. And I remember calling the head of music and going, morphine, not morphine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it's morphine. Oh, in a very different I show. Go, okay, so I, I, it's that. Because that would have been funny. I would have really fucked it up if I had sang <laughs> Mighty Morphine. Power Rangers. Don't subject to themselves. Yeah. I'd say they get through to the next fight. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Billy, you can't find the main line. So yeah, they came, they came in. I wanted to get it done to work on the other song. And uh, so literally from, okay, I'm going to write this to that from, we need it to that final, what was sort of a rough mix. It was never, ever touched again and doing the vocals, which I'd never really sung on anything like that. I just found that voice and I found a, uh, that by gargling this I knew because I, I was singing through I'm screaming through my voice through my throat by gargling ice cold diet Pepsi just it would like get rid of the pain and it would tighten up my vocal cords a bit so I could hit the high notes which the high harmonies on the original theme are generally in the ballpark of what the note was supposed to be <laughs> so but it, it, they're they're in there and they're layered so I did it and I didn't think about it and I started working on the other song and then the next day they called and they said, they love the theme, Fox heard it, they love it. And I said, who, who are you thinking to get to sing it? And they go, no, Fox loves it, it's done, you're the, you're the singer. And I went, oh, cool, um, what am I working on tonight? That was it. <laughs> and it became one of the most iconic theme songs ever. <laughs> yeah, it was that simple. Then I would hear stories, they did test marketing, played it for kids and they said the kids were going crazy and they, because they bring in kids and they give them 20 bucks and pizza. And they said they started like throwing pizza at each other. They're all hyper during your thing. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully that'll be a good thing. Okay, good, <laughs> good. 
just phenomenal. And then it took off. And as it got bigger, um, you know, the workload got heavier because now I was the composer, main composer. And um, so I was already doing 40, 50 hours a week. Now I'm up to 80 hours a week and just cranking out the score, Power Rangers, and then comes Sweet Valley High. And we have this other thing and we need a sizzle reel. And, and one of the producer's son is getting bar mitzvahs to do a version of the theme saying, go, go, um, um, Jacob Wasserman, you know, just whatever. It's just constant work, 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 work going on. They were just, I was just slammed. It was great. That's amazing. It's like literally I was just one nonstop. Song. Yeah. Yeah. That really kicked it off. I do not know what went on between X-Men. I know I did some of the score for it, maybe a lot, but that, that time of what I think now is a year between that Power Rangers is a bit of a blur. I may have been scoring a lot more for home video stuff. I have no idea. So with the Power Rangers, though, it wasn't just the theme song, was it? Obviously, there's tons of songs that were done for the fact they released the album. I know Go Green Ranger Go is one of my favorite songs ever. I'm singing yeah, it all the time. Yeah, great. <laughs> but how did that come about then? They basically turned around and went, Ron, we need all these songs for an album. <laughs> no, they said, we need a, uh, we're thinking of putting songs in the show. Do some songs. That's amazing. I went. So the first one was fight or was it combat or fight? I think it's fight. I can't remember. I think it's fight then combat. And then I was on a roll. And, and um, as I've said before, many times, all of these songs, I'm not sure about those initial, but almost every song in there is about uh, something going on personally. So it, the fight was maybe, you know, cause that was still cool. But as the, the tension was growing a bit at Saban as I was working more and more yet, they were keeping me very hidden from the rest mm. of the world because they didn't want anybody to come pluck me away. And they were also um, not Saban himself, but some of the upper management, they were not the kindest people in the world. So they always wanted to keep you in your place. So a lot of the songs are directed a little bit of anger towards them. And then there's songs like I know a place which is about a pub around the corner from Saban where all of us at post-production would try to meet at 10 o'clock at night just for a few beers. And then we'd all walk back and work. And then there's, and then, and then the violence started happening uh, with uh, kids listening to the music. So the music started getting blamed for violence. Really? And, but Haim Saban was really good friends with the Clintons. So one day, uh, there had been a couple, a couple brothers somewhere, I think maybe in Norway, that were listening to fight and, and were kicking their sister's and sister, and they kicked her to death. They, they killed their sister. What? And so the heat came on the Saban hardcore of the music is causing children to be violent. And I said, violent. And I said, uh, get me on CNN with the parents. And I guarantee you in five minutes, people will go, those parents are fucked up. They did not do a good job with their kids. There's no way this song did that. They said, yeah, we know. But the White House, I'm pretty sure it probably came from Gore and his wife, Tipper Gore, who was very opposed to rap lyrics and trying to set all these restrictions. They said, from now on, no words like fight, nothing that incites violence, no minor chords. 
it was kind of like what the church did in the 16th century where they went to composers and said, that minor chord or that run, it incites the devil. Oh, so, so everything had to get a smile on it. So I, I just shifted gears slightly and I turned it into um, more uplifting stuff. I didn't really mind. I was very kind of uh, flattered that I got all the way up to the top of the uh, political food chain with a <laughs> comment telling me to change what I was doing. That is insane. So what, what happened with the Lord Zed theme then? Because obviously Lord Zed, he was, wasn't he branded too evil as well? They had to like, they had to bring him up a little bit to make it not so scary. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the music stayed the same, but I'm sure if they had lines, they probably said, maybe be a little friendlier when you say I'm going to eliminate you from the universe. Let's do that with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lighten up on this stuff. And I know Saban, Haim Saban himself was going on interviews saying, I grew up watching cowboys and Indians. I didn't go out and start shooting people in the desert. You know, it's, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And I would go on and say, if, if, if your kids are getting violent because they're watching somebody throw invisible exploding devices at a giant latex pig, that is so low budget <laughs> that it doesn't even have a mouth that moves unless he wiggles. And then your kid maybe shouldn't have been born. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they didn't let you on CNN. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what I would have said. I know people would have been laughing like we are, but you know, it would have pissed off somebody. Like, he said, my kid shouldn't have been born. <laughs> yeah, but he's right, Terrence. <laughs> he is right, honey. <laughs> we don't say it out loud. <laughs> we don't say that. Oh. Bless his heart. So I read somewhere that Saban asked you to come up with a, an, a different name as well. Is it? Oh, well, I was uh, spending so much time alone. And the way I, I would, I'm a producer, so I kind of yell at myself because it's so much work. Again, we're running, I'm running two machines. It takes forever to lock. And if I'm doing the high part and I would like blah, 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 lose a word or something, I'd be like, you idiot, let's go back and do it. I'm very hard on myself. I'd never work with me again. <laughs> so I decided well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use my middle name, Aaron, and Wasserman means waterman. So I'm going to come up with Aaron Waters, and this is the guy I'm going to produce, this idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so there were these two characters in my head. There's that. So I remember telling, again, head of music, I said, so Aaron Waters is now the singer. And they actually went, that's a good idea, because now we can even make it more convoluted on who's really doing this shit. So... Aaron Waters isn't even somebody that can be traced, so we'll make it Aaron Waters. And that was great. And it worked well and it sounded cool. Then one day I see the Mighty Raw. And I went, what's this? And they said, well, that's now your, the artist's name. Aaron Waters is the singer in, or there's the Mighty Raw. And I'm like, why are we, who is this guy? Why are we adding another person? And to this day, people go, oh, I thought that, yeah, I always wonder. I thought that, I don't know. I didn't understand what that was. I said, well, that is when something is really big 
and there's somebody that's very overpaid for their position, which we all know this happens. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting around and going, I don't really contribute. I have to think of something to do. I'm going to just mandate this incredibly stupid thing. And then I can take credit for it. And that's what it was. I fought that one like crazy. I said, plus, really, let's just say, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind anybody walking up and going, are you Aaron Waters? But if anybody ever walks up and goes, are you the mighty raw? I'm going to go, no, I'm not the mighty, I'm not four. It sounds like a four-year-old. Like I should have a little cape and a helmet. Is that a four-year-old or you're actually a gangster rapper? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Mighty Rock coming in hard, boys. <laughs> when you hear my Disney rap Mystic Rangers thing, you'll see that I am a badass. That'll show you. <laughs> you'll be like, whoa, Dr. Dre should get him right away. It's another M&M. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So what other Saban projects that you did stand out to you? Because obviously you must have worked on so many more things. Well, Sweet Valley High, which Such was... And, and that was my, uh, uh, we're now uh, divorced, but that was my, were we married yet at the time? I don't know. That ended up being my wife. She sang that and I had to beg her to do it. I said, just come in and sing it because the gig paid like 150 bucks, a buyout for the singer. And I finally got her to do it. And luckily uh, somebody heard that. And so she ended up having a 10 year run with commercials. Oh, wow. And it all it all originated from that Sweet Valley High thing because she has a, a great voice. So I got a call one day and they said, do you know the girl who sang it? We want her for a Comcast commercial. It was a cable company in the States. And she ended up getting that gig and then Coke and then this. And then I got sucked into it and started writing. But as the music writer, you don't make shit. The mm. singers make all the money in commercials. I don't know how it is now, but uh, probably the same. But she just cranked it was great i, I don't remember so the show are, at all but i remember that theme tune <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a good thing it was a great yeah, i like that theme a lot it's a little echoey i've listened back to it now and i'm thinking man my ears must have been low it's just a little bit washed out and reverb but other than that i like the theme a lot another one that uh, i remember is vr troopers but I didn't write the VR Trooper thing. Did you not? I think I was probably busy. Or I may have said, it seems to me, and again, so long ago, I can't be clear. It seems to me I was saying, we are VR is a great line. Use that. Ah, you, you, were, you were accredited with it. Well, from what I, my research said, anyway, you were accredited with the, with the theme song. Oh, well, good. I'll take it. No, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember actually, and I don't think that's me singing it. Wow, okay. And frankly, well, maybe it is. Oh, no, it is, right? We yeah. are VR. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, maybe I did. Put your career on. I mean, that's, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the show went away so fast. I remember scoring the, uh, the initial, like, 10-minute presentation for, uh, that they were making to Fox, I guess. And that would have been prior to the theme. After that, I just remember looking at the show sometimes and saying, well, I hope it goes, but personally, I would have done something completely different as trying to be the next big show. I wouldn't have tried to kind of do something sort of like Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. I would have bought a different property and, and pushed through something completely different. So it was kind of doomed 
out of the gate. There were quite a few, I think, weren't there? Because I think Beetleborgs is another one that they did, or someone did, oh, that tried to be cool. a very similar sort of thing. Yeah, and I remember that Beetleborg footage. I'm like, I hope you didn't pay more than five grand. For- it was horrible, <laughs> just horrible. I just remember looking at it going, what is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, I could just hear Saban going, is it Japanese? Is it old? Is it cheap? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so what led to you leaving Saban in the end? And was it just a ridiculous workload? Yeah, it was a ridiculous workload. And because there was uh, all the rights were taken, I went in and I said, I, I want a third of the writer's share, which is roughly... Um, it's not even a third of the back end royalties. It's like, it, it ends up being realistically around 10, 11%. And I figured I've done so much. Surely he'll say yes. And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, um, I, I've got to move on. And, and it really comes down to that. Plus I was exhausted. I and, it, and, and, Probably, probably at that point, if I had said, let me think about it for a month. And during that month, I'm going to set, I'm going to send you to uh, the four seasons in Maui, you and your wife, just go there, hang out, don't work for a month, get some rest. It's all on me. And when you come back and I would have come back after that month and he would have said, I'm not going to do it. I would have felt so guilty that he just paid for me to spend a month and I would have been all rested up. That probably was said, oh, that's cool. I'll stay a couple more years. But instead, it was just a hard no. And I didn't argue yeah. with him. He was very polite. We were always got along really well. And I mm. said, well, then I'm leaving. And I figured, surely he won't let me leave. He did. He did. <laughs> and, I le- and I left. Wow. I was in. We'll just open the door for you. He's like, yeah, cheers, then. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just out. And uh, then I did work for them at home. That's why I did Dragon Ball Z at home with a 19-inch tube television. uh, God, Mac Classic computer. Yeah, it was only MIDI and a VHS player. And I was scoring to that. And then we just bounced some mixes off. It was a ton of work. It was hard to get it to line up. That's why there's these giant ambient and building swells in that score. It's not so much hitting everything in the picture because that would have been, that was hard enough to do back in the day anyways, but to do it at home would be really difficult. Damn, dude. I can imagine with the technology of the day and especially, you know, working from home now, it's easy, but you know, back then, Jesus. It's unbelievable. I'm I'm actually uh, setting up a new system. I've been, you know, I used to have a, a giant desk back here with all the rack gear. I mean, it really looked like a studio there. And I got rid of that and downsized, and then I went to an iMac Pro. And now I'm replacing, you know, with Apple's new uh, chip, the M1 chip, I'm replacing that iMac Pro that's blowing out to the the fastest you can get with a Mac Mini that is about 20% faster than that. That's mental. A little Mac Mini. Right now, I'm on a 27-inch 5K monitor coming off of their their new 
little uh, MacBook Air. Yeah. That is almost as fast as this computer. I, I, I have sat at somebody else's house with a keyboard and scored like an orchestral mock-up on a laptop that doesn't even have a fan in it. And it just handles it. What? <laughs> so the technology has come a long way. That's insane. And over the years, I've easily spent, which has now gone easily four or five hundred grand on gear because you know I needed to have this compressor for vocals, and now you can get the plug-in for seventy bucks. What used to be three or four thousand dollars of a rack mount thing, and you'd have to keep notes and make marks, and it was a pain in the ass. It's mad how much technology has changed. Absolutely mental. Oh, it's unbelievable. I love it. Mind blowing. Imagine how screwed we'd be this last 12 months without it. Well, yeah. Oh, my days. Yeah. So, so when you left Saban, is that when you decided to focus your attention into Fisher? No, actually, I I got picked up immediately uh, to score games through a friend. And um, so, yeah, it was about two weeks later. He said, uh, I'm working at a company, they're a startup. And it's run by um, a guy named Bob Ezrin. Bob Ezrin produced all the Pink Floyd stuff and Alice Cooper. And I'm like, Kiss. oh, good. If I get notes, it'll be from an actual producer instead of somebody who's like, I don't know, more hi-hat. <laughs> so so they, I think the first thing I scored for them was Tamaguchi. Now, these were MIDI files. And it was under – they were – CD-ROMs for PCs. <laughs> so I'd say, they'd say, we need something for when this event's going on. And you have, I said, what, how much memory do I have? And they said, I can't remember. I think like 12 kilobits. So write something, we can loop it, but it has to be a 12 kilobit file. I mean, it's nothing. They're MIDI files, but there's just zero. <laughs> Almost <laughs> no memory. <laughs> so I did that, yeah. <laughs> So you write these things that trigger the sound card in the PC and it sounds horrible, but you learn how to make it sound good. And I did that. And then I, I can't remember what was next. I think Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and then Monty Python. I did um, Holy Grail and I can't remember the other one. I got to work with Eric Idle and Cleese. They came in Incredible. to do voiceover stuff. I mean, they weren't telling me what to do on music, but I got to hang out with them. I think it was I very funny. What's that? I think I had those Monty Python video games. Yeah, they did really yeah. well. Unfortunately, when you have creatives managing a new startup, um, they throw some great parties. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'd show up to parties. They're like outside with thousands of people. So anyways, they went broke. Um. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was still I was starting to score stuff for Deke Entertainment, and I was doing a lot of commercials and working on the Fisher stuff. I take it when so you left Saban. Sorry, it was yeah. After Saban, it was video games, commercials, Fisher, Deke Entertainment, and um, anybody else who would call and say uh, there was just it was it was just endless. The phone was ringing off the hook. It was, was- great. That was going to be my question. I was going to say, was it literally just everyone bombarding the hell out of you, being like, "We want this and this and this and this and this." Like, oh my fuck, yes, all to all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it oh, to yeah, all. It was yes to all of it. I mean, through Bob Ezrin, he goes, 
I want you to drive up to this address and go meet with this guy. He's looking for somebody to mix his stuff. And I go, who is it? He goes, you'll know who he is when you get there. So I get there and I remember I hit the uh, coat keypad. It was a gated driveway. And I'm like, I'm Ron, I'm, I'm here. Bob sent me, he's like, okay, come on up. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And I get up there and it's John Anderson from Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we, we kind of hit it off. And so I spent two years, five days a week at his house, recording him and doing these two indie records with him. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. And these musicians would show up, these brilliant musicians and famous people would stop by. It was so fun. It was just so fun. Oh, so I was man. doing that and then working uh, still on some Saban stuff and Fisher. I mean, I just, you know, I went all day and all night. Incredible. That's mad. I love that you fun. left Saban because it was so much work. And then you went, you know what I'm going to do now, I'm free? I'm going to do loads and loads of work. I'm going to do more work. <laughs> but at least when I was doing it, they didn't call and say, uh, you know, as composer, they didn't, uh, on the other step, they didn't go, well, your credit's going to be um, barista. <laughs> but I'm the composer barista <laughs> yeah that's what we I, I had to work to get you that credit Ron I had to work you know what they wanted to give you barista's assistant <laughs> so that never happened again so that was good <laughs> Oh, but that, that was the whole reason I left. It was just, it wasn't a matter of like, I want money and I want credit. It had nothing to do with that. It's just, that's the right thing to do. That's how the business used to work. Now it's horrible because companies like Netflix are saying, oh yeah, we'll buy that theme. They're, they're starting to buy everything out now. They're not doing it with everybody, but slowly but surely Netflix, every project they have, they will own all rights to the music 100%, not pay one dime on the back end. Oh, fuck. So that part of the business is dying. Which is a shame. So, because it's a shame. That, yeah. That, wow, oh, well, fuck. Um, did you ever think that from when you were a child that your life would ever get to the stage that it's at today? Did you ever think that you'd be here where you are today? I didn't even dream about it. Wow. It man. wasn't even a thought. I mean, some kids, you know, they're, they're playing guitar or piano and they dream about being a rock star. My, my thing was, and, and our family was very much day-to-day -day survival. We weren't like in the gutter, but we had, we were piss poor. We had just enough to cover. And then we had family members that would step in and help out if we couldn't buy groceries. And that's what I grew up in. So my goal was just to do something in life where I could possibly make thirty dollars or $40,000 a year. And to me, that would mean I had no idea how I could possibly do that because that's what doctors were making, I thought. Yeah. Just the thought of that. So as other stuff came, and I've never, none of it's ever been done for the money. It's been done because I love the project. Never once. Because as soon as you start thinking about just the money, um, you're not going to do a good job. 
Yeah, you become an absolute asshole as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I've stayed so sincere. That kind of money never happened. But that's okay. Doesn't matter. As long as you love it, it was, you know, doesn't matter, does it? As long as you're happy. It's all about being happy, I think. That's how I live my life. Is as long as I'm happy, I do not give a shit what I do. I'll, I'll clean pavements with a toothbrush if I have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. Uh, uh, several friends, they are just waiting. They're like, another, another five, six, seven, ten years, I can finally stop doing this shit every day. I'm like, wow, I... I've never ever felt that way. I have no plans of ever stopping. Even if I'm just writing for myself, it's just, I've always loved it. And I like staying on the very edge of technology. It's fun. I love it. Every moment of it. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's good to hear that someone enjoys what they do though. Cause you know, like I say, it's, it's, you do it all day, every bloody day. You might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And I've done everything. I fix business equipment. I've been hired for months to count magnets in a magnet warehouse. I've, <laughs> I've steam, I've worked graveyard shifts, steam cleaning carpets at restaurants. I've been a bus boy. I mean, I did anything to survive until I could finally. And so I was terribly in debt when I started at Saban and I only got out of debt about two years after being there. I mean, I had so much credit card debt, it was ridiculous. I mean, and I was just, almost homeless. I've actually went shopping and ate while shopping, and then left the market. Oh, I mean, it, it, it was uh, it was pretty. Uh, I was never really sad about it. It was just a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. I Bless never you, thought man. I'd That's end incredible. up in the street, but it, you know, you get nervous when you're thinking, "Wow, I'm gonna be um, tortillas straight on a stove with." turning the fire on it so it burns and putting butter on it and you're living on that for a couple of weeks. And you don't feel very good when you eat like that. I can't even begin to imagine, man. Well, I, incredible how far you've come. Absolutely incredible. You do what you do to survive, don't you? So Yeah, you do what you have to do and then if you're yeah. lucky enough and stuff starts to happen, you never forget that. Mm. Never. So, never. A dollar comes in, it's like only going to spend 50 cents of it. That's it. Because the next, the next storm's going to come. The rainy day is going to come. Yeah, it's inevitable. And now here, here you are having scored 2,845 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> now I mean, it's better. Is that because I was Because I was frugal, or as most people would call cheap. I'm not like cheap, but you know what I mean. Like I tip <laughs> yeah. really well. I'm not, a, yeah. I'm not this guy like, Yo, I did, my coffee was cold. I'm, gonna... I'm not that way. But because I was conservative, <laughs> when COVID hit, I didn't, I, I didn't go back to with my son and say, like, uh, you're going to love tortillas and butter. I mean, we didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know how I, you thought we weren't eating well before? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Has the, has the pandemic had quite a major hit on you at the moment with, with the jobs you're doing at the moment? It is. I mean, I'm, I'm working on, and I have been for three and a half years. It'll come out later this year, a video game. I still write for library stuff. Okay. shows. So there's still work. But I had a couple of pilots that were about to be shot mid-March last year. And uh, they got shut down. 
And a majority of the people I know have been out of work. Some have work. Some shows are being shot, but um, a lot of stuff is brewing. They're just kind of waiting. Everybody's waiting because um, in this country, nobody's clear on what's happening. Mm. We don't know when the vaccine, when we're going to get it. They, they lost 20 million doses. They don't know where it is. And what? Yeah. They, they misplaced it. What the fuck? And, <laughs> and I don't know. There's nothing clear on statistics. Um, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just how it is. So everybody in their work is going, wait a minute. Like we were discussing prior, um, in California, there's a recall on the governor. Well, prior to the recall, getting enough signatures, everybody, uh, everything is locked down and our numbers are awful, especially Los Angeles, terrible. And then he got close to a million signatures and he went, well, fuck it, let's open everything up. The numbers are great. So just trying to appease people so they'll come back and love them. So I, but maybe he's right. Maybe the numbers did get better. I doubt it, but that's the misinformation that we're getting here. Is that all, that's all stemmed from the previous president? Yeah, well, it started there, but still any, anything controlled by politicians or the federal government, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's just wrong. It's going to be a mess. So your vaccine start, it hasn't even, you haven't even started the rollout with the vaccine yet then at all? Well, there is, but nobody's really sure who's getting it. It seems like some people are getting it. And then they said, well, now it's available for people over 65. And that's wonderful for them. I'm happy for them. But they still haven't vaccinated all the people working in the hospitals. What? what? What's going yeah, on? No, there's still a lot of health workers and frontline workers that haven't been vaccinated yet. So they're working on that. And then they have appointments. So they're expecting people over 65 to go through a website and navigate a website designed by a government employee to figure out how to set an appointment and where to go to get their shots. So some of them can't figure it out, understandably. Some can't make it that day because they're old and some of, maybe they don't feel good or it's raining. Yeah. So then the vaccines just sit and rot. So they have to throw them away. Oh, Fuck, so it's man. very, very unorganized. But that so much stuff is opening up here now. Um, not good. Well, please stay safe, Ron. Please, please. Oh, I am. <laughs> good man. I stay in this room. That's that's my secure door, so nobody can break in. If the vaccine gets in, I just leave the little hole open there because I know the COVID germ is too big to get in. Every once in a while, it pops up. It's like. Let me in. Let me in. I'm like, go away. It's like, I just want an autograph. Like, yeah. no, I don't believe you. Just creeps this little person like that. I'm like, come on, Ron. You must yeah. come and see. <laughs> you look like a COVID oh. uh, molecule. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, it sucks. Uh, yeah. So, like everybody. You did more Power Rangers work, didn't you? You went back and did a couple more theme songs. Disney. Disney called. Disney? They said, we want to get back to what it was. And uh, yeah, so SPD, I was pretty amped. And SPD was uh, banged that out in one afternoon, sent it, and they went, 
And the head of music there, a guy named Steve Vincent, goes, this is great. I'll, I'll get back to you because, of course, 10 people have to hear it. And um, then 10 people heard it. And he goes, absolutely love it. Only have one change. Could you just add some sirens? And I just went, sure, sure. I called my friend who does sound effects that did X-Men and everything. And I said, need some sirens? He goes, in Dropbox now. And, uh, or Box.net, whatever we were using then doesn't matter and I had the sirens and popped them in and it was done then the next year he said now we're doing mystic force and we'd like to you know the SPD uh, response has been remarkable and we'd like to do the same thing so I wrote the rock version and he heard it he goes it's great and he called back and he said it's done it's done deal uh, like on a Friday and I said he goes so break out the stems it's done great work which means you break out bass, drums, vocals, everything. So the mixer can go like, I'm going to lower that. I'm going to turn up the hi-hat. <laughs> yes. You give him some control. And then on Monday, he called, he goes, I have some uh, weird news. Um, some of the new producers are young and they, they're really in the rap and they've decided they want the theme to be rap. And I just said, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> my heart's zero saying, again. <laughs> you want to give it a try? Yeah. Yeah. Let me call the mighty raw. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to try it, but I don't think it's going to work. And I, I sent it off to him and he said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> I said, yeah, I didn't expect that. But is there anything we can do to, to convince these guys this, this will be, one of the worst moves ever made for a theme on this show. And he goes, no, nah, there's nothing I could do. And so they went with a uh, rap. I can't so I released, now I had announced like on a uh, ranger board that it, the mystic forest theme, I'd gotten the new one and it was great. I couldn't play it yet. I, you know, but once they said you're rejected, I said, well, here's what I'd done. And then they wanted rap. I said, and so here's the rap one. Don't, make any comments on this i know it's not good <laughs> and uh then everybody started bombarding disney with email them saying why aren't you using wasserman's rock theme and then disney called me very upset because i'd embarrass them wait, wait, and uh, i posted the theme the rock theme oh and people loved it they forgave me for the rap one <laughs> You know, I like the hi-hat. <laughs> it's okay. But then they, they went after Disney, and then Disney was embarrassed, and then Disney said, you can't post that stuff. And I said, yeah, I can. I own it. And oh, it's yeah. not disclosing. I mean, everybody knows the show's going to be called Mystic Force. Mm. I'm not giving away any secrets. I don't even know the secrets. I, I mean, it's not. So that annoyed Disney a bit, and... um but I didn't mind that ending because I figured they're losing their minds anyways. And, and Disney is uh, widely known as a rather abusive company. So I had no problem. If it was Spielberg, I would have said, you're right. I'm taking it right down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a huge mistake. I've made a mistake. But I went, when you want rap on Power Rangers, chances are your television division is not going to be doing well for the next several years. And it didn't. 
junk. The film division is where everything did well. Very much. So, um, so no, no loss there. I'm sure it's all water under the bridge now, but that's what happened with that. But that SPD theme was great. I like that better than the original theme. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's uh, there's something that's just so much energy about it. And then the very last time I say SPD, because the vocals are stacked, it sounds like STD, which I always <laughs> thought was funny as shit. And now that I've told you that, when you listen, it's the last time I sing it, you're going to go, it sounds like STD. I'm going to go listen to that after this. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. God fucking yeah. damn it. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, so we had morphine, morphine power rangers. I mean morphine. <laughs> and then we have... You know, they've moved on and now they have STDs. <laughs> Just, uh, they're fighting parties and scratching every yeah, time. Yeah, I can see them. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Gotta go blow up gonorrhea. <laughs> G-O-N. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> just going to say next year you've released an album just full of, uh, <laughs> full of songs. I should. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <be> absolutely. <laughs> oh, fuck it up. Alpha. Alpha could be herpes. Ay, ay, ay. Exactly. Oh, Jesus <sighs> Christ. So, final figure oh. of the Power Rangers. We'll, we'll move on from that. In 2012, okay. you, you recut your original songs and, did, and released them as a redux. Yeah. How and why did that come about? How come you decided to do that? I wasn't sure that I could uh, sing that stuff anymore. So I thought for fun, I think I'd bought some new guitar sounds for, again, all, everything was always done on keyboard. I went, oh, I'm going to take a verse and a chorus and just quickly record it in and see if I could still do those vocals. And I did it and I went, wow, that's pretty good. And then I stacked it and I did the harmonies and I went, I can do it. So I'm going to do the whole song. So I did it because the original masters are gone. When uh, Disney bought Saban, they either got destroyed or lost. All the show masters, all the splits, all the mixes, everything's gone. Shit. It just, it doesn't exist anymore. So there is, nobody could ever go back in and digitally, they could take the, the, the stereo mix and tweak up it up a little bit but nobody can ever go back and remix the shows with modern technology, which is terrible, but that's it. So I figured I'd go back and re-record them. And once I finished the theme, and I think I posted a clip, and then I decided, well, shit, I'll go do everything else that I, I'm allowed to do under law, because even though I'm a writer, I'm not allowed to cover stuff unless it was released as an audio-only product. So okay. I did, I did um, all that. Um, and it was really fun. I think it took two or three months. It sounds. I was working on other stuff. And I finally got those harmonies right. <laughs> Maybe with a little assistance. <laughs> and it's, it sounds it incredible. I did so it for good. fun. Oh, I thanks. I did it for fun. And That's then awesome. um, people started... Um, thinking that it had only been remastered. They're like, this is just the original stuff remastered. It's like, the guitars are different. It, <laughs> the solos are different. When you remaster, it doesn't change the guitar solo. 
So I was that close. So I was kind of like, yeah, I still got it. Yeah, I sound exactly <laughs> like I did back then. <laughs> gonna go get me some hookers. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's safe to say you've done so much TV work. Like I think I saw 67 composer credits on your IMDb or something along those lines. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So how is it you get these roles in? Is it studios approaching you or do you like send in demos to apply for things or? All word of mouth. That's how this business works. Nobody advertises. You can send in stuff till you're blue in the face. The only way you're going to be sending in stuff is because you have a friend there that's got some clout that can get to whoever makes the decisions and then get you in. That's it. Never had an agent. And uh, it just not, I'm not boasting about it. Everybody I know that's had an agent, they hate their agents. Like all he does, I find the gig and I call him. And he's like, cool, I'll take 10%. What did you negotiate with them? I mean, it's not bad. I'm sure there's some good ones out there, but there's just, uh, I've never needed it. So it's always just when the phone not. rings. Yeah, that happened in uh, 2010. A friend called, long story short, um, ended up doing this show with Betty White called Hot in Cleveland, which was had like a, a 5 million viewers on this station TV land out here, but TV land had never done original programming. So they didn't know how to get it out, make it big in the rest of the world. They just weren't experienced with it, but we did 130 episodes. And then there was three other sitcoms I did with that network. And it was all from hanging out, and the exec would come by and say, hey, we're doing another show. Call me Monday and we'll have you do it. It's that simple. That's amazing. Have there That's been how any, it works. Have there been any TV shows where you've listened, you've watched, you watch or listen and you go, I could do that better. I know what I'd do with that show. Yeah, a lot of Netflix stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'll be watching stuff. Now, some I watch, uh, some I watch like Vikings. No, that's actually Amazon Prime. No, it's AMC. I've watched that, and I think that is damn well nearly perfect scoring. I mean, it's really done well. But there's other things I'll watch. I'm like, oh, are we? I have to go to that sound again for when they're running. I mean, as this has just been beat to fucking death already. But it's not the composer's fault. Sometimes the composer may walk in and say, so I'm thinking of this very cool synthy Trent Reznor type thing and the producer go yeah yeah I'm open to that open to that I was thinking maybe uh like a timpani and a uh you know a cello (laughs) oh my god we're universes apart but you're the boss like well that's a good idea too Trent Reznor certainly has used a timpani and a cello so uh, I'll use that (laughs) yeah sometimes you get constantly remolded into what they want and i've had times with producers where i said how about i just hand you my hands and you just do what you want because you don't really need my brain i feel like i'm taking dictation sometimes pretty rare that that's happened but there are times you just throw up your hands just go just tell me what you want i'll just do it So there's a wide range of products you've done, like kids shows, reality TV, drama. There's absolutely tons on there. So what is it you look for in a project to want to get involved? Or is it a case of, ah, there's a lot of zeros on that contract? Hmm. No. 
No, because that doesn't happen. That's that just doesn't. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're in film, and you're one of the five guys. And if you're Hans Zimmer, that's the first thing he's probably like, Dunkirk, Schmunkirk. What's am I getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes and get, and then the contracts negotiated. He's like, okay, I need a story on how I worked on this because he has a, a a bunch of composers at his place, which he treats well, and they actually get credit, and they eventually uh, grow up in the composer world and make a name, and they leave, and some of them become huge. But he's the front guy. Mm. But what what brings me in is, I, I kind of always have a gut feeling if something's going to be a disaster. So there's certain times I've just gone, you know, I don't think I'm your guy. Mm. And it's, it's really more because even if it seems interesting, it's already not good. Yeah. yeah. If it's not good at the beginning, I mean, things can be pretty good and get great, but if it's really not good at the beginning. So I've only ever thought about what can I contribute and, um, and how how will this be perceived? How's it being managed? That's really what it comes down to. And it, it hasn't happened that much where there's only really been one show that uh, a partner and I took back then. We, we were working together and that was one of those TV land shows and it was called Retired at 35. And we would get a cut and it was a sitcom and it was funny. And they go, don't score anything to this. We're editing it. And they would literally cut out the funny parts. And at one part, I went up to the network guys. I go, this show's like a tax write-off or something. Like you're trying to destroy it and lose money. I mean, because there was a funny bit in there and you removed it. And it turned out that that wasn't true. It turns out the producer was just um, a comedy producer. He was just um, lost his mind or something. Wow. You're just second guessing and this and that. It was a, that was a tough one. So we just, uh, we hated working on that, so, but it went two seasons. So we ended up doing like 40 episodes. It was pretty shocking. <laughs> so that's, that's the only one I've ever done where, okay, let's just get through this as quickly as possible. So we don't have to look at this show. It was terrible. <laughs> so when it, when it comes to doing TV themes, um, do you get to watch some of the show beforehand to get an idea for what it is? Or do you basically just go, oh, it's a comedy. Uh, let's try this. It depends. Not much. Usually they'll, they'll send a basic, they'll send me a two page description and say, uh, we have no idea. And then sometimes they'll say, well, the producers like these 10 pop songs. And you'll say, well, there's Metallica in there. And there's George Gershwin in there. That's pretty widespread. So <laughs> kind of what are they into? It's like, we don't really know. Just do what you want. And then most of the time, they're, um, especially on reality TV, no matter what you deliver, they've heard something between Thursday when you deliver it and Friday afternoon. And uh, those types of themes I haven't been getting lately because there's somebody else that's just assembling pre-made loops like a DJ. And then they're going like, that's a great theme. Like I have those same samples. I don't use them because you're just pasting together other people's work. I mean, if you want to use the drums, okay. But 
you're literally somebody else's work here. So um, it's hard to compete with that. Or sometimes I hear what they picked and I'm like, that's horrible. <laughs> so it could be, oh, my sister's son, he got a Mac, he's got garage band, she's driving me fucking crazy, I'll take his thing. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, so are there any projects you're working on at the moment that you can or got coming up that you're allowed to talk about? Yeah, the video game called The Next World. It was called The Nothing. There's too much trouble with that title. So The Nothing is now chapter one of this. And it's a guy I met on Facebook years ago. He contacted me about Fisher's stuff. And he's like this, uh, I guess he'd be like like Steve Wozniak that worked with Steve Jobs at Apple. He's (laughs) the mad scientist. So he writes software for like, all the recycling stuff in LA and then ATMs all over the country and then stuff for wall street. And he's opened a gym and he's opening up a, a, a like skincare clinic and he writes code. He's, he, he quit school, I think at 12 or 13 cause he started making a bunch of money writing code for architects. So he decided to do his own RPG game full blowing and he was we were moving along and then a year and a half he goes i hate it i deleted the whole thing i'm starting over and it's becoming this incredible thing and it's going to release in october of this year so if he doesn't i would kill him so i've done about (laughs) uh done about eight hours of score for that with a couple hours more to put in wow a lot of it is long form so it's not like you have you know it's background stuff yeah. So I have to stay out of the way of the frequencies of uh, people screaming and getting their heads blowing off and, you know, all the gunshots and all that stuff. Awesome. So it's just kind of keeping a little energy going underneath without getting on anybody's nerves. That's so, so that's really the biggest thing. And the other things are some uh, cable reality shows, which aren't even really worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty, Ron. I absolutely do. It's amazing. (laughs) It's shit. I'm sure they're fine, but another one just got picked up for season two, and I just went, I really thought, I I didn't know they aired all of season one. Okay. (laughs) I'll do some more. I think I did see a couple of projects. I think one of them was like Real Housewives of New York or something. Oh, yeah. How do you go from Power Rangers and VR Troopers and stuff to the Real Housewives of New York? (laughs) One of the producers, the post-production, head of post-production on Power Rangers at Saban ended up at a Warner Brothers company. And around 2009, he said, I do a ton of reality TV. Interested? And I said, sure. (laughs) And so on days where I wasn't really busy before, before that time where I had five sitcoms running at once, he'd just say, ah, I don't know, they're looking for some happy stuff for Super Nanny. Like, okay. <laughs> just do it into the machine it goes. The editors are like, I love this. Do some more like this. All right. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you're not really connected in any way to it. You just kind of upload it and go, here's what you're looking for. And they, Right back, that's great. Do more like this, and you send it, and it, it's weird. <laughs> it's amazing. But, but that's how. It's, that, it's because of that guy, because I'm friends with him, and he just said, you want to do something? Like, 
Sure. Definitely <laughs> who you know. It really does seem to be a business of who you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Tom, have you got any more questions, my friend? No, I just want to say, Ron, thank you so much for being an absolute legend, hero, and just being so much fun. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Really yeah, this was fun. <laughs> so before we get out of it, we like to play a little game with our guests. It's called the Quick Fire Round. It's six questions. You just answer them as quick as you can. It's as simple as that. We like to have a bit of fun with this. Oh, look at that. He's getting himself prepared. <laughs> I'm going to fuck this up. Go on. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> right, question one. Your favourite Muppet? Kermit. Good answer. Your favourite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Good answer. Good Your first ever concert you went to? Steve Hackett of, from Genesis. He was playing at the Roxy on Sunset Boulevard with his brother. So I went to see Steve Hackett at the Roxy. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> Who would he was, play- was, What's that? Who would play you in the movie of your life? Brad Pitt. Good answer. Yeah, nailed that. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Your favorite superhero? It was Superman. It was always Superman. Always Superman. And the last one, advice you would give to younger Ron? (laughs) Um, Don't take everything so seriously. Great answer. Great That's answer. Great. That's really the good thing. I stressed out about a bunch of stuff that I could have never changed and worrying about it did nothing if things turned out good or bad. A waste of energy. Perfect answer. And one we've had quite a few times as well. Stop stressing. Yeah. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, this has been incredible. So, so much fun. That was great. Before we get out of it, is there any social medias, any websites, anything like you want to plug, get people to check out? Oh, if anybody, I'm on Facebook and you can tell it's me because I've got that little blue check and then ronw.com, R-O-N-W.com. Since nobody can pronounce my last name right, including my uh, my dad even taught it to me wrong. He didn't know how to say our last name. (laughs) Like, what's her last name? He's like, I don't know, Wasserman something. It's got ass in it. <laughs> oh, what a legend. Again, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. That was great. Fun. All right, Absolutely. thank you, guys. You have a good day. Enjoy Everybody the rest stay of the day. safe. You guys just stay safe. We... I hear there's a vaccine. I know we're getting close. Maybe <laughs> you guys will probably be back to business as normal while we're still... Uh, I don't know what happened here. Well, hey, that's, but, that's uh, not the case. That's, that's not the case. Let's hope it's not the case now. I know, but 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 I mean, really, um, so close. So uh, stay safe. Stay. I you knew got my it. friend. But you've yeah. got that. You've got that COVID door to help you anyway. So you're fine. I do, but now I have to go outside of it so I can have an egg or something. So I hope he's not out there waiting for his name. <laughs> Herbert. <laughs> Herbert the COVID molecule. <laughs> kind of catchy. It's a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of a weird name for a virus. You did it by the end of the day, and I've got that in your head. You can have a jingle and everything written. Yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, you guys have a wonderful day. Wonderful. Have a great Take day, care, my friend. Thank you very right. much. Talk to you yeah. soon. Bye. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Hi, I'm Frank Guglielmelli, and I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from SISCAST, like Marty and Mars, 
bounty hunters, and a great part in Val Toby, with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Now, let's get to this week's interview. Hey there, this is Ron Wasserman, and you are listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. Wait a minute, that's probably a copyright violation. Never mind, strike it. 